Welcome to the Access Church Podcast and our Sermon of the Week. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Get your Bibles out. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 9 this morning. Acts chapter 9. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning and then next week. And then you have a special treat. And I'm really looking forward to the last Sunday of this month. Pastor Gary Hamilton, uh, who we've traveled many, many years with to Mexico uh, as a pastor of a, a thriving church in New Hampshire, has given up his Sunday. He's driving all the way down here and he's going to share with us. We're going to have a wonderful weekend together. I'm really excited for you guys to be able to meet Pastor Gary the last Sunday of this month. So looking forward to that. Acts chapter 9. And what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the subject of urgency in the book of Acts. And I shared when we started this series that if you were to take the book of Acts as a template for ministry and you were to ask an unbeliever or a brand new Christian to read the book of Acts, you know, three times or to read it for 30 days and come out and describe what ministries to look like in the context of the new covenant, urgency, I believe, would be a key theme that they would say. That every day of our lives, just like we were talking about, our lives are a living sacrifice, that every day of our lives should be lived with a sense of urgency, a sense of intentionality, not just, you know, go to church on Sunday and check back in the following week, but we wake up every day with the reality of of this sense of, of urgency. In the life of the early church, they had received the power of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, and they're living life on mission, right? You don't just have a job that you go to. You have a ministry assignment that Jesus has placed you in. And so they lived like life on mission, and there was a sense of urgency in the life of the early church. Now, what comes to mind when I think urgent, when I say the word urgency? If I left you a message this week on your cell phone and said, can you give me a call? I've got something that's an urgent matter that we need to talk about. Or perhaps a friend of yours is leaving church after service and they say to you in the foyer, they say, I I need to leave. There's something urgent that's taking place. Immediately you think challenge. Immediately you think problem, right? Teacher calls you and says, hey, I want to have a conversation with you about your daughter in school. And it's urgent. You know it's not, hey, I want to brag on how awesome your daughter is at school. Or your son is at school. You're thinking urgency as a challenge or urgency as a problem. It's not typically a positive word unless you're a Christian. Because I believe one of the great paradoxes of our faith, there are so many, is that you and I can can be at rest spiritually, yet at the same time have a strong sense of urgency. Rest and urgency, urgency and rest. In the book of Acts chapter 9, it's like right in the middle of a lot of things. Signs, wonders, miracles, persecution, hardship, suffering, people giving their lives for the sake of, of the gospel. And yet even in the midst of these difficult times in the early stages of the church, we see that God is continuing to expand his 
kingdom. And the, the gospel of, or, or Acts, Luke is describing both the outward and the inward health of the church. So Acts chapter 9, verse 31, this one verse that we're going to talk about this morning, he's speaking to the churches. So he's talking about bodies of believers in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. So this isn't the church in a universal sense, but he's speaking to kind of whole bodies of Christians. The word is ecclesia, meaning the people of God that have been called out, right? You've been called out. You've been, now you're separated. You're in Christ, right? I'm an American, but I'm a Christian first, right? My primary identity is as a child of God. And then I'm an American citizen. So they're called out. They're in Christ. And he's writing to these churches. And now, as you read this, it's very important. So I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, we, we have a bent towards thinking it's uh, authored in a way that's in chronological order. And you can find chronological Bibles. But as you read the Bible, just because chapter 8 is right after chapter 7, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the next day. Are you with me? Because you get to specific verses in the Bible that they're actually like years later. Or months later, it's not written in chronological order. And so this one verse, Luke is doing so much more than just shifting from the story of Saul to Peter. I want to put it to you this way. How many of you enjoy hiking in our area? There's a lot of beautiful areas to hike. As you're going on a hike and you're hiking up a mountain, there's those periodic kind of like points that you stop and you turn your back to the mountain and you begin to view the landscape, right? You begin to look out over, you know, the area. And then you hike a little bit longer. You come to another lookout place and you look out. You continue to hike and there are these lookout or landing places. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 is a very significant resting place. And what Luke is doing is he's actually summarizing a very significant period of time in the early Jewish churches in which peace and prosperity was prevailing in that culture. So this is more than just kind of like a quick break. Luke is looking out and he's saying, this is what's taking place. And it's very, very significant, this one verse. Because what he's sharing is a principle of how the Holy Spirit works And some of the key ingredients, as you saw on the screen, key ingredients to the blessing of God in the life of the early church. And it's almost like a healthy state of the church address in one verse. And there's so much here, but I want to highlight just a few things from this one verse. In the context of urgency, right? They're in persecution. The gospel is going forth. Miracles, signs, and wonders, and Luke's just pausing for a minute, and he says, this is what I see. Then the church, he says, had peace throughout Judea, Samaria, or Galilee and Samaria. It became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you that it's alive, that it speaks to us. It's just as relevant to us today as it was from the very beginning times that it was written. 
And Father, I pray over the next few minutes, Lord, that your word would challenge us, that it would encourage us. Lord, that you would equip us, Lord, that we would see the book of Acts as a model of ministry, that what you produced in the life of the early church, you're still producing through the power and the working of your Holy Spirit in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke is like looking out and he's saying, there's this period of time in the life of the early church and there's some very key ingredients here that he says is a byproduct of what the Holy Spirit's doing. And I believe that all of these things should be evident in our ministry today and continuing to move forward. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Samaria, Galilee, and Samaria. Now the wording that he used in the original language is it's more like rest in the Greek. You know, last year I was attending a Penn State football game. And you ever just have like an image that you see and it just kind of is like frozen in your mind? So I'm at this Penn State game and then in the midst of the sweet Carolines, uh, 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 and the cheering and the we are and the standing and the sitting and just the, the commotion of, of what it looks like at a Penn State football game, I look over and I see a baby resting in its father's arms as if it's oblivious to that which is surrounding that child. I'll always remember that. It's like, you know, as soon as I saw it, it was like frozen in my mind because the reality is that as a Christian, as a child of God, being in Christ, you can have that same peace an assurance, and the rest that it's like whatever is taking place in our culture around us or in our world today, it does not disturb the rest of God and the peace that he brings in our lives. Luke says as he looks out over the early church, he says that there's peace throughout. You know, it's really amazing Because in this context, they're facing incredible persecution. It's like the, I talk about Jesus and all of a sudden, I don't have a job tomorrow type of persecution. Or I'm sharing about Jesus and now somebody's separating my children from me in the home. Severe persecution. It's amazing that when our missionaries for... um, our, our missionary, we have to be careful with our missionaries now with language. Our missionaries from India that were here a while ago. They said one time on a Sunday, he said something that was so powerful. And I was like, man, I, I don't think people caught it. He said, pray for us, not that persecution stops, but pray for us that the gospel continues to go forward in the midst of persecution. Because what you find is the, the places around the world where the gospel is, is exploding and just, I mean, in very, very significant ways. We have a missionary in the summer that's going to be here. He's going to share some just powerful stuff. But it's almost always happening in the context of incredible persecution. And so Luke is saying, I, I'm looking out over the landscape of the life of the early church, and it's in the midst of incredible persecution that there's this deep sense of peace, that there's, there's this calm kind of rest and a settled spirit, knowing that God is in control. And there's a couple specific things that God's doing, very specific. God converted the number one 
principal persecutor in the life of the early church, Saul. I mean, he's going and he's, you know, basically martyring people for their faith. And immediately, like, the number one man, the equivalent of, like, an ISIS terrorist in a moment is dramatically converted. And now it's like this international evangelist traveling and he's preaching the gospel. And so we see dramatic things that God's doing. And then we also see systematic things that are taking place in the life of the early church because God is sovereign. He's in control, right? What does the Bible says? The governments are what? On his? Early in the life of the early church, the Roman emperor Caligula, who was just a horribly evil man, He's trying to set up a statue in the temple in Jerusalem and in other statues. And he's basically trying to force the Jewish people to come and and, and to worship his image. And so this plan is kind of taking place as they've studied history. And the Jews are so concerned that their temple is going to be defiled. They're so concerned that the national religion is going to be destroyed. They're so concerned that they're going to be exterminated by this decree. And the historians say it was almost like this political shift took place or something happened politically. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they don't have time, the Romans and the Jewish people, they don't have time to worry about the church because they're so focused on one another. And it was almost like God himself converts Saul. It's almost like he divinely orchestrated this diversion over here so the gospel can continue to expand. Never be afraid of things that are taking place politically in our world today. God is in control. And so this stuff is taking place. And as a result, as Luke looks out, he's saying, you can experience, and you'll see on this on the screen, the Holy Spirit enables you to experience peace and rest in the midst of turmoil and trials. Always. He enables you to experience peace and rest in the midst of turmoils and trials. And you can take great hope in the fact that God has a proven track record throughout human history to orchestrate things in a way that the people of God can continue to move forward with peace. It's not simply the absence of war and conflict, though that was the case in Acts chapter 9, but it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us as, as a believer, that you and I can be like a child in the, as we sang about, the good father. That you can rest in his arms knowing there's nothing that's going on in your life this morning. That it's like he's out of the radar on. And so Luke looks out and he says, even in the midst of very difficult times, the early church is at rest. He goes on and he says that it became stronger. The word here is edification. The early church was edified. Maybe that's what your Bible says, or becomes stronger. Now, we know what physical strength looks like, right? I mean, it's pretty easy to tell when somebody's physically strong or physically weak. I know when you look at me, you think physical strength. So I just, just messing with you. We know what physical strength looks like. It's easy to kind of quantify that. But spiritual strength is different. It's very hard to measure. And yet there are people that are very strong. What does the Bible say? Be strong in the Lord. And yet there are people that are weak as well. It's very difficult to measure spiritual strength. But Luke looks out and he's saying, 
that the early church is strong or they're being edified. Now, you know, the word edified to me, you know, is like a theological word that basically says, Zach, this has nothing to do with my everyday life. But I want to explain this to you for a bit because the idea is even in this, the formative years of the early church, God is building up his people by his spirit just as he's doing today. That they're growing spiritually. They're being strengthened. They're being established. And the tense that's used here is not like a one and done. It's a continuous effort. That they're being strong. That they're growing in strength. They're stronger in their faith in Jesus. They're learning more of his word and the teachings of Jesus. They're growing in greater knowledge and awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence in their life. And his power that's working through their life. They're becoming more effective in their witnessing. They're becoming more bold and living with this sense of urgency. And you'll see on the screen that everybody is being built in the likeness of something. And so it's very important who is speaking in your life, who you're surrounding yourself with. I tell teenagers all the time, I'll tell you who you're becoming. Show me your five closest friends. Right? That's true to, for for us as adults as well. Everybody is being built in the likeness of something. And so in the life of the early church, it's, you know, he's, Luke's saying they're, they're being edified. And the meaning is like building a house into the likeness, not of a building or a structure, but they're being built into the temple that the Holy Spirit wants to reside within, within us. I had somebody in our community say to me this week, he said, this is the house of God. Talking about a building. And I wanted to say, since when are you not, it was a Christian, since when are you not the house of God? But I had to kind of bite my sarcastic self and just take a deep breath, right? If you're a Christian, say, I am the house of God. Oh, it feels weird to say, right? But, but I'm the temple that the Holy Spirit dwells. And Luke is saying that they're being edified, that they're being built into that place that the Holy Spirit, and there's power in edification. 1960s, Weight Watchers begins, right? And a woman and a couple friends in, in her queen's home decides, you know what? I'm gonna get a couple people together. We're gonna just start talking about losing weight. Fast forward 40 years, millions of people around the world from Brazil to New Zealand gather together to be edified in the area of losing weight. There's power in edification. Luke's saying, as I look out over the landscape, there's this peace and there's this idea of being edified. And this is something that I want and value so much in the culture of access. I understand that life's tough out there, right? I mean, life is is difficult, and the last thing you need is to go to church and get beat up, right? I mean, I want access to be a place where you come, you're edified, you're strengthened, you walk out, not with a sense of condemnation, but a sense of conviction. That's a healthy thing, right? Condemnation is, you know, there's just, there's no place for that. But conviction and edification, I, my heart for you is that every week you walk out in your, cha- I, well, I prayed every week, challenge, encouraged, equipped, and you walk out and you're like, I can do this thing. 
I can do it. I'm equipped, I'm empowered, I have the Holy Spirit. You know, it's more than just me getting up and reading like, there's a style of preaching out there where you just kind of read verse, you know. The Bible says that you're to love one another. How are we loving one another? The Bible says that you're not to have turmoil in your life. What's causing turmoil? It's not like how-tos and formulas and all of that stuff. But we preach God's word as, as his, uh, the standard, and we strive to achieve that, right? And so it's not coming you know, and creating a culture of condemnation, but that you're equipped, and then you're released to ministry throughout the week. It's not that you don't talk about difficult subjects, but I try to present God's word in a way that builds you up or, or edifies you. Romans chapter 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It should build your faith. Your, I believe that God created you to thrive on the affirmation of God's word and his people. That you're created to thrive on affirmation from God's word and his people. Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 24 through 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So as we gather on Sundays, this is like a rallying point, right? And uh, I grew up, you know, I, I never had a significant season of rebellion in my life, praise God. And I've had people say before, why is that? And I attribute it to a couple things. The grace of God, which means God's in control, and I don't know. (laughs) Good godly parents, and the value that church played in our family growing up. I mean, church wasn't like an accessory to our weekend. We centered our lives around being involved and coming and being built up spiritually being built up spiritually. That's why when I went to college, I, I had embedded within me that like, I can't survive without being connected to the local church. Like I grow throughout the week, but I need uplifted. I need encouraged. I need edified throughout the week. And so it's always been a high value, non-negotiable in our life over the years. And as a result, you grow spiritually, Right? It's God's will for us to continue to grow. And when you see the word edify, you think being, you know, edify and being built up is kind of the same thing. And building includes edification, but edification is not necessarily building. And I want to try to illustrate this to you as we talk about this idea of edification. So I saw this picture recently of a fire pit online made out of stones. So picture a pile of stones. And as I see this picture, I'm like, I want to build a stone fire pit in our backyard. Just get a pile of stones and get some concrete and just kind of like do a circle. And so start searching online. And there was one key step in the process that was a deal breaker. So I thought you just got the stones, some concrete, and you just kind of lay them out. But in all of the designs that I saw, there was one step that for me was just like, it was too much work. It was going to be too difficult. And so what they said is that you're supposed to take a stone from the pile and you're to chip away every jagged 
rough area so that it's, it's kind of set and prepared and ready to go to build into the fire pit. Are you with me? So it was so much more than just get a bunch of stones, get some concrete and like build the thing. But the idea is that like you had to like chip away the rough areas, the jagged areas, so that that stone was prepared to be placed in that fire pit. Now, it's interesting to me that the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 says, as you come to him, the what? The living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also were like a living stone. And you're being built into a spiritual house now to be a holy priesthood. So when you think of edify and build, you, you've got to think process over product. I want to be, you know, the stone that's like ready to rock and roll. You're ready to get placed in the, you know, the fire. But, but, but a lot of what God does in our lives is process oriented, isn't it? Like the Holy Spirit, all throughout the week, he's edifying, he's challenging, he's chipping away. So that you and I can be more and more like Jesus. So you can either push back from that or you can say that everything that God does in, in my life is actually for, for my good. Second, or Second Corinthians chapter 3 says we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. God loves you. Listen. God loves you just the way that you are. But he loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to stay as you are. Thank God I can come to church and I can raise my hands and worship. And God loves me just as I am. But he loves me so much that he's not going to allow me to stay as I am. Welcome to edification. Luke says, as I look out, there's this like supernatural peace that's carrying the early church forward. Are you with me on that? And he says that they're being stronger. They're being edified. It's my responsibility as a pastor. Ephesians chapter four, verse 12. It says, pastor's responsibility or leaders in the church are to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church, the body of believers. God is not only building you up, but he's building us up. And the awesome thing that I love about ministry is that God has a unique way of taking people's lives that are like a living stone. I mean, you look at stones, unless you go and buy those fabricated things at Lowe's, like fake stones, right? They all look the same. But a living stone means that there's not one life in this room that's the same, right? And yet only God takes and he edifies and he chips away at our lives. And he also is building something at the same time. So the imagery that's used here is like a, a master craftsman as he's building a project and he's working and he's building at the same time. 
that our lives are complementing one another. And yet at the same time, God through the Holy Spirit, the process of what he's doing in our lives as he edifies and he builds us up. This is something that I value here. Condemnation is this. You know, it's like the sledgehammer mentality. Man, that's not me. But I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is always chipping away. What's that area even today that he's chipping away at your life? In my mind, trying to decide right now, do I continue or do we pause? (laughs) I'll give you a, a snippet of what we'll talk about next week. There's the peace that God, he looks out and he says, I see peace. He looks out and he says, I see edification. But the last piece is very, very powerful. And we'll come back to this next week because I don't want to rush it this morning. Because he's about to share a very powerful truth. And I think a lot of times we see these things as conflicting. But next week I want to show you how I believe this is a powerful combination in the life of the early church moving forward. He says the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Well, wait, fear or encouragement? Encouragement or fear? Luke says, yeah, both of these things are taking place. And this, this is like the dynamic duo as the worship team comes. Because next week, I'm going to submit to you that we've lost the fear of God in the church. But I believe we've also lost the power of the encouragement that his spirit brings. And when you put these two things together, I mean, it's a powerful force. Only Jesus, man, can provide that peace in our lives. Only Jesus edifies and and builds us up, right? But only the Jesus through the Holy Spirit says, you know what, Zach, you can wake up tomorrow with the fear of the Lord. What does that even look like? Because fear, when you say fear, there's a lot of that's why you need to be here next week. Only Jesus through the Holy Spirit can say, Zach, you're gonna wake up tomorrow with the fear of the Lord, but the encouragement of my spirit. And those two things are like the perfect combination. And it's a key ingredient in the life of the church as Luke looks out and he says, this is what I'm seeing. And so then the question for us today is as we ask the Lord, Lord, would you search our hearts this morning? What disrupts peace in your life? Because I I really, I think that the peace of God in our lives should be like an abiding peace. That the peace is not to be disturbed like the, the wind and the waves. It's like, you ever meet somebody? And it's like, you're telling me I had to park on the other side of the building today? Oh. Yeah, it's like, seriously. I'm like, man, that disrupts your peace? Oh, man. 
I'm just making something up. You're telling me I'm going to wait in line for lunch? Like if, if, if that stuff can disturb your peace, peace and persecution, oh man, we got a lot of chipping away that's going to have to happen. It's safe to ask questions, Lord. Lord, would you search my heart, right? I want to carry a deep abiding sense of the peace of God. I want to be that person that, just like Bonnie was sharing, in the loss of her family. It's not like she disappeared for a year. She's like confused and like, I have no idea. Didn't know people die. But to see like God's peace in her life, that's a miracle. And yet we don't, at times, we, don't, we take those things for granted. God's peace. His edification. Can I tell you, make sure you surround yourself with people that will build you up. Right? You work with these kind of people. I mean, the, the condemnation people. Get close with people that edify and build you up and you walk away. There's two types of conversations you have with people. People that drain you, they deplete you, and people that energize you spiritually. Right? Life's too short to spend your life with close people that just drain and deplete you. You need to be in edifying. The Bible says they're like sharpening relationships. They build you up. You challenge one another. You say, well, I'm married to her. I got that. God's working through your spouse as well. Talk about your close friends. Surround yourself with people that will build you up. I, I can't rush through the rest of my message for next week because it's too good. And it wouldn't be the honoring thing to do. So let's just stand and we'll wrap it up here this morning. I'm going to invite some of our leaders to come forward before we dismiss. If you want prayer this morning, I'm going to take the opportunity to pray for you. But as Aaron just goes back into worship, ask the Holy Spirit. You know, he's the one that takes just a snippet of a sermon. And through his spirit, he actually customizes it and connects it to each one of our lives. And so I shared this morning, but he's speaking. So just ask the Lord, Lord, what are those areas, Lord, that you're refining in my life? Welcome that. Let's just go back into worship before we dismiss this morning. But if you want prayer, you need a miracle in your body. You need healing. Please come forward. We'd love to pray for you this morning. We believe that you can walk out of these doors strong, healthy, and whole in Jesus' name.
you this week just say lord would you search my heart what's the thing you're chipping away of as jeff said earlier lord what am i letting go of i'll tell you i've grown up and i believe over the years this has always been true in my life god never asks me to give or surrender something that he hasn't already promised in his word to replace with something that's far superior and so every time you feel like the lord's working and he's molding and he's shaping it's always for your good He's got good things in store for you. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray for each person that's here today. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray as we leave today, Lord, that it would continue to stir within us. Lord, that we would realize that you don't dwell in special buildings or places, but that we are the carriers of your presence. And we never take that for granted. There's not one significant, insignificant person that's here today because we carry your presence with us throughout this week. Father, we thank you for that. Jesus, there's nobody like you. Lord, in you we have everything that we need. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. Have a blessed week.